You're listening to the Joyful Warrior Podcast with yours truly, Tiffany Justice. Join us as we talk about the issues that are impacting you and your family in America today. Let's get started. founder of Moms for Liberty, and this is Tina Jeskovich, and you are watching uh, the Joyful Warrior podcast. And we named it the Joyful Warrior podcast because we know there are moms and dads all over the country that are fighting for their children and their education. And we are joyful warriors in doing that. And so today I've invited Tina Deskovich on to talk with us a little bit about Moms for Liberty. I know a lot of people have questions about how we started and how we're growing across the country. So uh, let's welcome Tina. Hi, Tina. How you doing? Hi, Tiffany. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So we work together a lot, but we get asked a lot of questions about Moms for Liberty. We do a lot of interviews, right? So what do you think people need to know about our organization right now? Can you talk a little bit about how we've grown, how many chapters we have, and, and some of the great work that's happening? Yeah, I mean, our, you know, we launched January 1st of this year. Uh, it feels kind of strange telling you that because, well, you know that. So I guess we're telling the public that Tiffany and I launched this January 1st of this year, 2021. And in just a little over nine months, we have grown to 136 chapters in 30 states and actually 31 states. We launched a new state yesterday in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we are, uh, we have roughly 56,000 members and growing. We have, you know, 100 chapter applications waiting to be processed and people just want part of the liberty movement. Awesome. And it's been such a, a fantastic thing to be a part of. So before we started Moms for Liberty, you and I both served as school board members and we are both moms. So for anyone listening that doesn't know, um, I'm a mom of four kids. My husband, Mark, and I have been married for 17 years. We have a 16-year-old, uh, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Uh, so everybody's in the double digits. And Tina, if you could tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, my husband and I, we actually have his, mine, and ours. Uh, so he has three older children from his first marriage that are grown, and we actually have uh, two grandbabies and two grandbabies on the way from his three older children. And then um, we have two younger children. Uh, one is still at home, one's in college, and he is 13. So he is in the eighth grade. Awesome. And I wanted to have you on because one of the things that we're talking about a lot right now in America is the fact that the Department of Justice put out a notice talking about uh, threats to school board members that have been made. And, and so we know that our moms are not doing that. Um, we like to keep it classy at Moms for Liberty. As I said, we are joyful warriors. Um, but you and I have served as school board members. And um, I served from 2016 to 2020 in Indian River County, Florida. You served in Brevard County f during the same time period. And I just thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about what it's like to serve as, an, as a school board member. And because um, it's not always easy, um, but uh, it certainly can be a wonderful experience. And then to try to help parents and school board members around the country to start talking again and have conversations, positive conversations that, because I know that parents want that. Um, I know that parents want to help to improve public education. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what was it like to be a school board member? Well, I loved being a school board member. I really enjoyed uh, doing the work, serving my community. I grew up in, in this community. I went to the public high school and graduated. And then our children have now gone to the same schools. And so, you know, and some of the same teachers are still there. And so really was an honor to serve for those four years on the school board. I loved building the relationships within the community with um, 
with those that are trying to feed children and, and offer extra services for children, the third parties and bringing everybody together and watching even my little small town of Satellite Beach, watching the city council chip in with the school district and parents to be able to put a rubberized track in, like just why people worked for two years to make that happen. And those types of parts of the job were fabulous. Another great part of the job um, being on the school board is really being able to make change and impact change. We worked hard in Brevard Public Schools to um, close those learning gaps that a lot of people in education have been battling for decades. And in like the first two years on the board, we also had a new superintendent and he was laser focused on driving into those subgroups and making and closing those gaps. And one of the schools in our district that had been either a D or an F for over almost 10 years uh, for the first time ever moved up to a C while it was on the wow. board. And I literally shed tears when the text came in from the superintendent to say that we were able to, uh, you know, it's just a letter grade, but at the time we were volunteering in that school to help those children. And so I, I, I really grew to love the school. I grew to love uh, the seven or eight children that I was personally mentoring and helping through. And so when I saw that letter grade come up what that represented, the amount of children that represented the 700 or some odd number that were in that school that you know are now possibly going to have a chance, right? Because we know if you're not on grade level by like third grade, your chances of of graduating, your chances of going to college, they just they just decrease drastically. So this was an elementary school we were working in, and to know that we actually were making a difference was was great. So did you want to know the bad parts of serving on the school board too, or just the great parts? Well, a, a little. I think. I mean, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. I mean, you know, let's be honest and say I've I've had you know, I've had different things happen when I was in school, but I also enjoyed the experience. I found it very rewarding. I learned a lot about my children's education. Um, I learned a lot about how public education works, how it's funded and, and what the mission and vision is of the district and how that affects the community. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some things that weren't fantastic. I think I had some change thrown at me once by by someone uh, who didn't like the raise that was given um, by the school board. And um, I certainly have had, uh, I have dealt with my fair share of citizen input. I was thinking the other day, how many hours of citizen input do you think that you and I have sat through combined? In just, you know, you and I just served one term. How about some of these others that have served multiple terms? Uh, you know, I have no idea. I've never calculated it, but I do know that I have sat through hours and hours of school board meeting in one day and one night and hours and hours of uh, public comment. And I don't understand what's going on in America right now. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, that was the expectation of the job. When I was running, I remember sitting in on a school board meeting that went from five till after midnight from public comment only. And I wasn't on the board, but I sat there because it was just fascinating. And I watched those board members. They took two breaks, but they came right back and they were attentive and they listened to the public. And yeah, people were, you know, some were crying, some were fire and brimstone and somewhere calm. You just, you had all variety of people, but they listened. And as a community, it was a challenging uh, discussion about uh, adding, changing our discrimination policy, I think. Uh, ultimately, because they let the process play out, the community, um, they passed the, the, the non-discrimination policy, but everybody felt heard. And so everybody was able to go home and the community moved on. What we're seeing now is uh, it's, I, I don't understand it. I don't know how to explain it, um, but it's really, it's despicable. It's, it's terrible that these elected officials all of a sudden this year 
think that they don't have to listen to public comment. I, I, it just, it's mind blowing. When you run, you know that's part of your job in, on a school board. So um, maybe you have a little more insight as to why, why this is happening. No, I, I, I don't really, honestly. You're right, listening is a really important part of being a school board member. You need to be able to listen and, and, and yes, people need to feel heard. And it doesn't mean that you have to always agree with everything that's said, but you're listening and you are taking that input and, and trying to help it help you and the district make a, a better decision using that. Um, I guess, you know, what I wanted to ask you, what do they think, what, what's the end game here? Right, I mean, suppressing citizen input, quieting citizen input isn't certainly going to, to solve any of the issues that parents are concerned about. And there are valid concerns, right? I mean, I think with COVID, we kind of got a window into our children's education in a new way. You and I, we, we talk about, we saw behind the education curtain, right? Um, but I think everybody kind of got a peek behind the education curtain. So, you know, we have parents that are speaking all over the country. It's so interesting to have served as a school board member and to now be, you know, running Moms for Liberty, this national organization, encouraging parents to get involved in their children's education. What are our moms talking about? Um, what are they concerned about around the country right now? Well, initially it was just getting schools open. They didn't understand what was happening. They've elected these people to be in charge of their children's education who had no interest in opening schools. So, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of where our organization started. A lot of our moms just wanted their schools open. Now, most of the schools are open, some not, still not full time, uh, but, but most are open. And uh, now they're addressing the things that concern them that they saw while school was at their home, the curriculum, the books, uh, what they have access to, the quality of teaching, are my kids really learning? Are they, is their time being used wisely there? Uh, mandates, you, I mean, you know that a lot of our chapters are, are fighting, including here in my county, mandating two years later on children as young as two years old, so the preschool kids, where other countries have, have clearly proven that kids under the age of 12 just don't need to be masked and especially not seven, eight hours a day. And so our, you know, moms and now, they know what's best for their kids, and we've got districts that are not allowing um, parental opt-outs, and there's districts around the country that are even turning away uh, doctor opt-out notes for medical reasons, and uh, it's just atrocious. I don't know what we're doing to our kids. I don't understand it. I don't know why, but I know as moms, we're standing up and we're fighting against it. So we, uh, you're right, we are, and I'm so proud of all the moms across the country, and if you're one of our moms or just a mom and dad just getting through your day and, and you know, sending your kids to school and trying to keep your job and, and keep positive right now in these times. Um, you know, join us if you haven't yet, but this is a great collaborative organization that is helping to support each other. Um, um, so Tina, there are a lot of things that are said about Moms for Liberty on uh, social media. It's such an interesting place, right? And so I see things all the time. I see uh, comments made that were astroturf. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that what that term meant. Apparently that means that you're like funded by, you know, billionaires and, and you're not a real grassroots organization. Um, so you want to clear that up for us for a second for America? Talk, are, we, are we AstroTurf or, or, or are we the real thing? That's an easy one. I mean, you and I both know, right? We know how this started. We know what we're doing. We know who our connections are. And I promise you, I don't know who, I don't know who you know, Tiffany, but I don't know too many billionaires and I definitely don't have them funding us because if I knew them, I would be asking them for funds. Uh, we are, you know, our average donation as the end of the closing the books of August was $56. So we are being funded uh, by, by moms, by dads, by grandparents. We got a, 
we got a donation in yesterday for $5. And I just, I, I may weep now. It, it, it made me well up with emotion because the comment was, I really wish I could give more. And I mm -hmm. thought this $5, it's almost like the, the widow's mite to me from, <laughs> from the Bible. It, it meant someone sitting out there saw something we were doing and believed so much in it that maybe they have $20 to their name. Five of it came to us. And so wow. those are our donors. Those are our supporters. And I, I've seen stuff online saying that, you know, they're not really moms that are in the speaking at the school board meetings. What are they talking about? Like they say, they state their name and most of our moms are talking about oh, my, my seven-year-old child in Miss So-and-so's class. Like, Correct. We, we are. Public school. That's the other thing I've heard. You know, these moms don't have kids in public school. I'm here to tell you, America, I've got four in public school and there are plenty of other moms like me that are speaking out. Um, all over if, the country, right? Yeah, and if they don't at this current moment have kids in public school, guess what? <laughs> it's because they're protecting their child because of something their district has done, but they're they're fighting because either A, they would love to get them back in public school. That's where they that's where they know they were thriving before a lot of this nonsense. Or B, they they want to stand up for other kids whose parents maybe don't have the time or aren't involved or aren't engaged yet or you know don't really know what's going on. So um, that I, I'm tired of that argument, to be honest. Uh, you're, if you're a tax-paying community member, if you're part of a community, you have every right to get down there. But our organization is, you know, I, I go to a meeting. It's moms. It's moms and some dads and definitely some grandparents. But we, it's about kids. So if you could just talk for a little bit about the structure, right, about how, how the chapters are forming, um, how the meetings are held, how they're getting involved in their community in different ways. Yeah, that's, that's um, some of my favorite stuff to talk about, about our organization, because there's so many organizations that launch that are national organizations. They are in an office at P.O. Box in D.C. or suite number in D.C. somewhere, and they don't really have, um, they say they have members. I, I don't really know how all that works. Like, we are... I think the true definition of grassroots, we're, we're the true definition of community organizations. We purposely set this up in a fashion that each chapter uh, is focused on their own community, their own school boards. So we at the national organization don't even pick and choose issues we're gonna fight. You know that, like we, we don't say, oh, this is the issue and then chapters go chase after it. Chapters get together once a month in their chapter meetings and they decide what, what's going on in their district. We ask them to look at school board agendas. Uh, if they don't understand it, they have you and I to reach back to or others in our organization that have also served on school boards that see the importance of what we're doing that are volunteering with us. Uh, and they help talk them through the agenda. They help them understand the budget. They tell them where to look for things that school boards might try to hide under the consent agenda or different places. And then once they do that, they go. They usually have two or three things that rise to the top. And they, as a local community, um, as a local chapter, pick what they want to fight. And it just so happens that they're very consistent across the United States, or even regionally or in a state. They have a lot of the same issues, and they, um, you know, statewide or, or regionally. That brings me to the next thing I'd like to talk about for a second. Um, we're a nonpartisan organization and parental rights are not partisan issues. So in this time in America where everything seems so polarized, right? And, and you see so much division. Um, one of the things we really are focused on doing is bringing people together on these shared principles. Um, so 
maybe you could talk a little bit about the Madison meetups because that's something that we do within our organization and we don't get to talk about it as much as, as we might like, but that's something that truly everyone can participate in no matter um, how old they are, right? Um, where they find themselves in life. So if you could tell us a little bit about those Madison meetups and uh, you can go to our website if you'd like to, to get a packet. So Tina, take it away. Yeah, momsforliberty.org, right? We're supposed to say that whenever we, uh, we get interviewed anywhere. So we should be doing that on our own podcast for sure. I said, uh, one of the things I love to talk about is our chapters, but the other thing I love to talk about is our Madison meetups. But I do want to address something that you just mentioned about being nonpartisan. Uh, because that's, you know, you, you transitioned out from things that were called into this conversation. And one of the things that I see us called in a lot of press hits lately is, um, you know, uh, right wing, uh, uh, way, way over here type organization. So I, you know, I, I like to self-evaluate. And so, you know, I went into, um, to our chapter chairs or all of them nationally. And I just said, Hey, you know, you guys know we're nonpartisan, right? Like, are you guys all at one affiliation? And did you see what the responses were? No, I'm an independent. I'm an NPA. Uh, you know, I, I'm a former, I'm a former Democrat. I am a Democrat. These are some of the people leading our chapters. So we are not a political beast. We are not a political machine. We are a, we, we, we fight for parental rights, which is a nonpartisan issue. And, uh, you know, everyone on all sides of the aisle and in the scope of all political beliefs right now needs to be concerned because parental rights are being stepped on. And just because, you know, your person's in power at your local school district or in your state or now or federally, um, you know, four years, eight years from now, it could be somebody else, but those rules, laws, and precedents have been put in place. And so everybody needs to be concerned. Now, let me talk about Madison meetups. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, it started with a group in my house with Marie, our third executive board member. We were having a discussion about um, about the world and what we could do. And this was before Moms for Liberty launched. And she said to me, I just, I just want to sit with my friends and just read the Constitution. And I was like, what a bad idea. So we invited 10 of our closest friends over. We called it Life, Liberty, and Chocolate at the beginning. And we had everybody bring a chocolate dish. And we ordered a book on Amazon that said how to read the Constitution. And we all bought a pocket Constitution. And we sat around. And we, we started discussing it. And it, it grew into this thing that's now we've been meeting over a year. Uh, and we sometimes will spend a, a whole night on one sentence. We started with the Declaration of Independence and then went into the Constitution. Uh, we had one just last Thursday and we were on the 14th Amendment and the, the, the depths of the conversation. And we have some neat people in our group. We have uh, someone from uh, Germany, a German citizen. We have someone from Brazil. Uh, and so, and the German citizen, her parents actually grew up in a communist country that she has visited a ton, even when she was younger, when it was still under communism. And so the perspectives that are brought into our conversations are really rich. But, um, you know, that's what my Madison meetup looks like at my house. But we have couples that are doing Madison meetups. We have, um, oh, here's a great one. We have a major corporation here in town. Someone said to me the other day, somebody started a constitution club at lunch and I've been going. And when she, when he showed me what they were using, it was our packet of stuff. And I'm like, it's a Madison meetup. So uh, it's spreading. People are holding them publicly, like in a public library, putting the notice out so people can show up. That is, it's truly, um, there's no affiliation with that. And it's, it's whatever, the, there's no rules or laws or, or, or anything governing it. If you sit around and you discuss with your peers, the people you pick to be there. So um, you could be all over the spectrum. And the, actually having these with people that think differently and make it way more of a robust conversation and, and fun to do. 
So don't forget, you can go to our website, momsforliberty.org. You can get your medicine meetup kit. Um, I know some families that are doing it with their children. That's been a really neat thing to do. If you're wondering how you can connect your children back to the founding of America and, and how we can connect on shared principles in this country, um, start reading the founding documents. You can go to momsforliberty.org and get your medicine meetup kit um, as well as some t-shirts and stuff. So before we close out today, I wanna talk to you a little bit about merchandise. I love seeing all these Moms for Liberty t-shirts and hats everywhere. It's so fun. If you could just talk a little bit about um, how we've also funded our organization on some merchandise, right? Donations and t-shirts. Who knew? I started with, I took $500. Really, that's how the organization financially started was my 500, you know, our family's $500. And I bought some t-shirts and put the logo in front of it and just kind of passed them out and people loved them. And so that transitioned into buying more. And, you know, we originally just would take the money from the sales of them, the profit, and then go buy more t-shirts and more t-shirts. And we run out every two weeks and now we're into buying, you know, thousands of t-shirts and uh, they can, our sales continue to double every month. And so it's, it's really remarkable. We love seeing uh, people out there in our shirts. I love seeing the group pictures, you know, 20, 30 people all standing there in our shirts, the men in the John Adams shirts and, just it's it's we're so thankful we're thankful for the support every time you purchase something on our website it goes directly to help funding this organization and launching new chapters and we are grateful so just with that today we launched a new item it's an actual flag awesome whatever, whatever the dimensions are that you can fly you can put on your wall but you can fly on a flagpole and that actually was uh, born out of one of our chapters in long island that uh, kind of did a test one just to see how it would look. And she put it up on her flagpole and sent me a picture. And I was like, we need those. And so uh, we launched those today and I'm excited to see how they're going to sell. That's really exciting. My favorite uh, t-shirt on the website right now is the, we don't co-parent with the government. We do not co-parent with the government. We will partner with our children's schools, but we do not co-parent with the government. So I just want to thank you, Tina, for taking the time to talk with me today and to introduce uh, Moms for Liberty to the Joyful Warrior podcast world. And uh, we're just really excited to keep growing. And um, please tell Marie I said hello. Marie Rogerson, our, our third executive board member, um, is not on camera. She's a little camera shy, uh, but we'll get her on here uh, one of these times, I think. Tina, anything else to close? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm grateful, Tiffany. I'm grateful for, um, for this organization. I'm grateful for all those out there that are standing up every day it gets harder and harder, but together we're stronger. We say that all the time. And so we have to be fearless for our children. So just grateful for, for everyone, for our organization, for all those that are supporting it and those that are volunteering in our chapters. Awesome, thank you. All right, catch us next time on the Joyful Warrior Podcast. Bye, Tina. Next up, we're gonna answer questions from all of you joyful warriors around the country. Hey, Joyful Warriors, I want to talk to you a little bit about lemonade. And I know some of you are probably laughing and saying, what the heck? Why does Tiffany want to talk about lemonade? So let me explain. When I was growing up, my mom always said that life was going to hand you lemons and that it was going to be your choice what you were going to do with those lemons. And uh, in our family, we were always told that we needed to try to make lemonade, to take whatever experience that we were having and to try to find uh, the best, most positive outcome for everyone involved. And so in this time of COVID and pandemic and all of this craziness, um, I have looked to make lemonade. And uh, so 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the lemonade that I, I saw this weekend. Um, and that was Halloween. <clears throat> you know, I think COVID has taken so much from our children. And yesterday was Halloween. And for me, it was really nice to see our children celebrating and embracing a holiday. I've never been a huge Halloween fan. Um, but my goodness, my kids are. And um, I, I put something out on Twitter the other day. If you don't follow us on Twitter, please do. Um, and I, I reminded everyone, I had seen it on another platform, that teenagers who seem too old to trick-or-treat chose childhood over partying, be happy, and hand over the Snickers. And I, I figured that we were going to see a lot of older kids trick-or-treating yesterday, and we did. Uh, my own children included 16, 13, uh, 11, and 10, all trick-or-treating, made their costumes, and had fun with their friends. And so, you know, in this time of craziness in America, um, this is a lemonade moment for us. Our children are choosing their ch- childhoods. They, there are many people that I feel are trying to rob our children of their innocence. And it was nice to see all of our children embrace that innocence and dress up and have fun. Um, so that's my lemonade moment um, for, for all of this where we find ourselves at the end of October, beginning into November. Um, and uh, I hope that you all are able to find ways to make lemonade in your lives too. Next up, we chat with Pat, Chapter Chair Coordinator for Moms for Liberty across the United States of America. Hey, Pat, I'm so excited to talk with you this week. This has been such an amazing week for joyful warriors around the country. So tell us, uh, Chapter Chair Coordinator for uh, Moms for Liberty, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm so glad we're able to talk. I'm able to hear my friend's voice. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was up all night, Tuesday night, watching these election results. <laughs> I was, too. I was up until pretty late. And I know, you know, I, I didn't think New Jersey was going to get called that night. Once they called Youngkin's race, then I was able to be like, all right, you know, I felt pretty good about it. But yeah, I mean, and I was still wanting to hear from, I know, moms across the country, Moms for Liberty moms were involved in lots of different races, supporting different candidates uh, who put parents' uh, rights first uh, in their yeah. So tell oh, us. Yeah. Well, and I was just saying, like they were, we were all texting each other um, <laughs> while while the news coverage was happening, and um, we have chapters in California, and even though um, most of them didn't have school board races, they are still watching what's happening in Virginia, and with the time change, they, you know, with the time difference between the East Coast and the West Coast, I was getting text messages way up in the morning. <laughs> So for people that are kind of new to Moms for Liberty right now, we started in January of 2021. If you've listened so far in this podcast, you got to hear Tina speak a little bit uh, with me. Uh, the two, we're the two co-founders uh, about how Moms for Liberty started. But now we have grown across the country and we have chapters um, in 32 states, including California, Oregon. So I have no doubt that those moms were up when it was, you know, 12 here. It was nine there and they were watching just excited because they, they like to see some of this, uh, some of the wins come their way, right? That's right. Um, and, you know, just like our uh, vice president said, what happened in this election is going to be a foreshadowing uh, of what's coming in 2022. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's exciting for parents. And so it's been so cool to see this wasn't a Democrat thing. This wasn't a Republican thing. This is a parent thing, right? That's absolutely right. And parents' rights are a nonpartisan 
issue. Um, it just so happened that, uh, especially in the Virginia race, that uh, the candidates who supported the rights of parents were victorious. And we're so happy for that. And, you know, considering the fact that Biden won Virginia by, I think, like 10 points or something, it's really remarkable that Glenn Youngkin has won there. Um, You know, Keisha King, I I saw her do a post earlier today on Twitter, and she was reminding everyone, like, it doesn't matter, though. You can have Republican leadership or you can have Democrat leadership, and they can say that parents uh, and they're going to put parents first. But, you know, the their actions speak more than their words. And so we've still got to hold these people accountable for the decisions they make. Oh, absolutely. And that's why, you know, Moms for Liberty is there to advocate at every level of government and from now into forever, um, because uh, we're never going to go to sleep again. (laughs) No. And, you know, I think I, I saw President Obama, he was kind of making fun of Glenn Youngkin, right? Like saying. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, you talked about Biden winning Virginia by 10 points. And, um, you know, I guess we're going to equally talk about the Republicans and the Democrats today. But Biden won in 2020 by 10 points. Um, And it seemed like the Democrats wanted to still run on that national conversation, the anti-Trump agenda. Um, And Youngkin did a really good job of bringing it uh, to the local issues, to what the people in Virginia cared about. And um, the exit polling says that voters were more interested in those local issues. What a shock um, that people would be interested in local <laughs> issues in a governor's race. I mean, honestly, and here's the thing. I, I, I talk to, you know, you get to talk to moms across the country. I do as well. And, the, and, and they are not all Republican. They are not all Democrat. Uh, many are independent. Many feel politically homeless right now. And um, so if, if we do tend to talk about a Republican like Glenn Youngkin, it's, it, you know, he happens to be a Republican. But he didn't win because he was a Republican. He won because he was concerned about what was happening on the ground. And people knew that. Absolutely. And, you know, the exit polling showed um, that uh, in all the demographics, when you compared um, when you compare McAuliffe's performance to Biden's performance in 2020, um, he was significantly lower, significantly lower with women, significantly lower with African-American voters. Um, So. It, you know, it, it is about the issues and you can't think that you own one demographic. Um, and so we want that message to be to, you know, to these Republicans who now think they have, um, you know, they have won the parent demographic um, that they got our votes because they, you know, they spoke to the issues we care about. But now we're going to expect them to follow through on what they say they're going to do. Absolutely. Um, And I did an interview with NPR the other day, and they kept trying to talk to me about they want to talk about a culture war. And I said, these parents in Virginia um, saw what was happening in the schools because their schools were closed for how long? The kids had been masked. They had virtual education in some capacity in many places. And they got to see what was being taught. And it's not just CRT. You know, I say alphabet soup, S-E-L-D-E-I-C-R-T. It's all snake oil. It's all meant to to cover cover up the fact that, you know, in many places, our education system is failing to, to unfold the full potential of students. And um, Glenn Youngkin seems to want to get Virginia's education system back on track. I think parents would like to see that as well. Um, and so what an exciting day for Virginia. The other wins in Virginia I'd like to talk about was the uh, attorney general and the lieutenant governor. Can we talk about this lieutenant governor uh, race? Because in all this talk about, you know, oh, I've heard, oh, the people that voted for Glenn Youngkin were white supremacists or were racist or I mean here we have a lieutenant oh, governor yeah. right I'd like to play a clip actually if we could can I play that clip of, sure. of her okay let me let me play let's play that clip 
There are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice, and here I am living proof. So that is Lieutenant Governor Winsome, uh, Governor-elect Winsome um, in uh, Virginia. Um, what, a, what a wonderful uh, thing to have the first African-American woman elected uh, in Virginia um, to the yeah. lieutenant governor's race. And, and I'm not seeing it on the news like anywhere. Yeah, Winsome Sears, she was, you know, she, she came here from Jamaica um, and she loved the country so much. She joined the Marine Corps. Um, and she basically refutes every notion that, um, you know, the CRT critical race theory theorists um, have to say about, you know, this system, systemic oppression we have here in the United States that, you know, certain people are oppressed and they can't succeed. Um, and she's on the national stage and her life is proving that to be false. Um, and, you know, in a, in MSNBC claimed that Youngkin's victory proves that white ignorance is a powerful weapon. Wow. Um, and so it's amazing to me that all these uh, white supremacists elected the most diverse state leadership right. in, in, the, in Virginia. Let's um, move on to the attorney so, and the attorney general. Um, yeah, the attorney general, uh, uh, Jason Miara, is it Miares? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's Hispanic, the first Hispanic uh, uh, elected in a state race in Virginia. Um, and so, you know, when you look back to the demographics and one of the biggest um, jumps that they had when the exit polling was done was in this group of people who are not college educated. And of course, the national media is trying to make that, well, they're just stupid voters. And I don't understand why when you denigrate the American people, they think that that's a smart thing to do. But let's look at who these people are. They are people who cannot afford the fancy private school education. They are stuck in these public school systems that parents are saying are not suitable for their children and they have no options. So they have that skin in the game. Yeah, they're they more the affected ones. by the prices at the gas pumps and inflation. Yes. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, they're the ones that have to figure out how to, you know, pay the heating bill this winter and afford Christmas. Yeah, and, and so, for the record, Gleunkin won the independent vote by, I think, 54 to 45%. Yeah. Yeah. For, for real. So if this is not the extreme white wing supremacy that um you know we hear so much from um some of the more liberal i guess uh, progressives no absolutely so you know record turnout for these elections now uh, and and now we have 2022 ahead of us um and i think parents are, are enthused they're excited right we feel we're excited yeah. that we're going to be able to make a change um yeah i'd like to say something about that record turnout yeah too. Um, a lot of people, you know, in in 2020 talked about voter apathy, um, especially in Georgia, because, you know, oh, they stole the election or whatever. You know, people saying don't go vote by mail, you know, only vote in person. And, you know, Youngkin didn't really do that. He embraced the laws that Virginia had. Uh, they went from an election day to an election season. 
there in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he embraced that and he played the cards he was dealt, the game board as it was there. He didn't, you know, his voters didn't get up and walk away. They showed up at the polls. And another thing that's happening is more people are volunteering to be election workers. And I've done that. Um, I have to do, I have to make a little commercial here for your election workers. And these are, um, people that come together. You're not allowed to talk about politics that day when you're helping people to vote. Um, but it's a really special thing to be able to meet all your neighbors as they come in to vote and help them uh, cast their vote. And so I think that more people need to look and see how they can get involved there as well. So uh, just to close out, we want to bring it down to the kitchen table. That's where you and I have had some of our best conversations. For those of you that don't know, Pat and I have been friends for Gosh, I want to say going on probably about, what, seven, eight years, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We have kids the same age. Well, let's see. Our babies were in kindergarten together. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're teenagers now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pat helped me when I ran for school board. She helped me with that race. And so now she's getting to help moms all over the country, which is just amazing. And, um, you know, we don't you don't really hear a lot in the national u- news about the, you know, the the races that are down at the bottom of the ballot. Right. And um, yeah. but our moms are really focused. Uh, in that area because they know that the the most uh, direct way that they can impact change in their local uh, community is through those local elections and school boards uh, are a very important place to make that change happen as we have seen. So uh, give us just uh, to close out, I want to know what's happening with our chapters. Do we see any good school board races? I know we're getting some results in, right? Yeah, we have a lot that um, we're writing candidates, so we don't have the final results on on a lot of them. But I just wanted to highlight a few, if it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll start with Virginia. Let's start with two chapters in Virginia. Roanoke, Virginia had two candidates elected, and those two candidates actually changed the balance of power on their school board. So um, the candidates that were elected uh, all said that they support parental rights. Um, and then the ones that are still on the school board that were uh, not up for re-election, um, there are some there who also support parental rights. So with the two additional, now they have changed the balance of power awesome. um, on that school board. So we're going to talk about that balance of power. Spotsylvania, Virginia, uh, two school board members elected. One was a mom who actually ran before and she was cyber bullied. Um, she had to pull her children from public schools because they were bullied by a teacher because of her run for school board. Wait, she, and she ran, ran again, again and, and she won. And she, won. she ran again awesome. and she won. And so there was two school board members elected, again, changing the balance of power. Franklin County, Pennsylvania had five candidates elected um, and uh, Shawnee County, Texas, they had two seats open, two one, and these were by parents' rights candidates who ousted incumbents, also changing the balance of power on that school board. Texas, they have independent school districts. So in Harris County, Texas, uh, they had it at the Cypress Fairbanks uh, Independent School District, they had three seats open, three seats taken uh, from the incumbents, and those incumbents had been on the school board for 20 years. Can you believe that? Well, they own they own that uh, they own that student achievement and data if there have been issues. Yes, 20 years, 20 my years. goodness. Um, you know, people haven't paid attention to very school comfortable. Board races. Yeah, they get, they get very comfortable in those seats, and then apparently <laughs> yeah. they don't they don't look to leave, and nobody nobody was paying attention to it. Yeah, and yeah. can you believe it's the third highest school district in Texas? Third largest, yeah. Yeah, they have 110,000 students. Also in Harris County, 
Houston Independent School District, they had five out of nine seats that were taken by parental rights candidates with a runoff scheduled for four of their seats. This is the second largest district in Texas with almost 200,000 students. Wow. Uh, they were five moms and dads trying to take back a corrupt school board, and they had to fight incumbents who received nearly $85,000 in campaign money from outside sources and the American Federation of Teachers. And we're talking about sources outside of the state, like D.C. Second. and San Francisco. So so the American Federation of Teachers and, and special interest groups from uh, all across the country, a, a private mm-hmm. equity firm from San Francisco of all places, mm-hmm. are investing yeah. in Harris County, Texas school board races. Independent school district. Independent yeah. School. Well, wow. Yeah, telling telling these parents, you know, putting all their money into these school board races wow. where where you have parents running for school board seats. And, and that they, is very interesting to hear. It's interesting to hear, but it's also powerful to note that they their big money was defeated. Yes. Right? Yes. Money um, money will not money alone will not win elections. That's right. You got time for one more? Yeah, one more. Give it to me. Bucks County, Pennsylvania Woo-hoo! won 30, 33 <laughs> seats. Eight of 13 school districts in Bucks County now have a majority on their school board of school board members that value parental rights. Way to go, Bucks County. I mean, so we just went through a couple ones in Virginia, Pennsylvania, Texas. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. big, big wins here. I, I think parents need to know that their voice matters, that uh, 2022 is going to be the year of the, pa- of the parent at the ballot box and uh, I know Moms for Liberty is going to do everything we can to make sure that uh, there are people that want to run for office and that people understand um, how important it is uh, to put parents first in their their children's education. That's right. We are um, dedicated because it's our children and we really believe that our children are our future so we are going to save America one school district at a time. And there is no fuel like the love a mom has and dad have for their child. So on that note, Pat, I love that you came on. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you every week about some of the things that are happening around the country and things that are happening with our chapters. I look forward to our next chat with Pat, and I will say I hope you have a great afternoon. You too. Bye, my friend. Bye. As always, we want to thank Pat Blackburn for her effort supporting joyful warriors around the country. And that's going to do it for this week's Joyful Warrior podcast. Join us next time. United we stand, our children, our choice, our future.